The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome. This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Addict channel. I'm Adam Best, here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. Got a packed show today with a couple of great guests. We'll get some insider info on the Detroit Lions to start out. Then Sterling and I will make some daring predictions about this upcoming 2023 Chiefs season we're on uh, the eve of the season. I'm excited. I know Sterling's excited. But before we get into all that uh, fun stuff, Sterling has a very exciting offer to share. Everyone listening right now, Caesars Sportsbook is kicking off the NFL season with a brand new Bet50. Get 250 in bonus bets for a limited time. New users can sign up with our code ARROWGET and redeem 250 in bonus bets after placing your first wager at 50 bucks on any NFL game. Even if your bet loses, you'll receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. Make sure you use our code ARROWGET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars each week to start the season. That's code A-R-R-O-W-G-E-T. This offer is available to new customers or 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. You can also check out arrowheadaddict.com forward slash bets by scanning the QR code on screen or by clicking the link in the description for even more betting offers. That was bad, man. I did so much better yesterday going through that uh, the legal jargon right there. Yeah, I don't think it was bad. I mean, even your worst on the ad reads is better than my best. You're just so fast, lightning fast. It's good to be back with you, man. I don't think we've done a show together for, for something like three weeks just because of the way the, the summer schedule went. But we're both back. Wacky Wednesday is back. And uh, we're going to do something we did last week. We're going to try to do it more this season because as part of the fan-sided network, we have great access to experts for – every single team in the league. So I'd like to welcome our guest, Connor Ruddy and Zach Zaccounty of the Drinking the hey. Blue Kool-Aid podcast. They're both experts uh, for the, uh, the Detroit Lions, and they're going to help us break down tomorrow's game. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely great to be here. Uh, you mentioned Caesars, you know, Jameer Gibbs over three and a half receptions. I just want to throw that one yeah. out there. So it's a prop <laughs> for the people. Yeah, and I hate to admit this, but the Chiefs allowed more receptions to running backs than any team in the league last year. 107. We're hoping mm -hmm. the addition of Drew Tranquil kind of solves that problem, but we shall, sh we shall see. So we have six questions for you guys. Right. Let's crack open that six-pack and get started. The first question, loaded question. Patrick Mahomes averages 33 points on opening day, and we all know if you give Andy Reid extra time to prepare, that spells trouble for you. So can Aiden Hutchinson and the Lions defense actually slow this offense down? What do you think? Well, I'll, I'll, I can take this one first if you want, Connor. Uh, yeah. So 
All right. Uh, so, I, I mean, first of all, this is a totally revamped Lions defense, especially in the secondary. Cam Sutton will be playing in one outside cornerback spot, one of the biggest cornerback uh, free agent signings of this offseason for any team. Uh, unfortunately, Emmanuel Mosley looks like he just won't be back in time. He's been on the pup all offseason. Uh, so, Jerry Jacobs is playing the other cornerback spot. But don't discount Kirby Joseph at safety. Don't discount yeah. CJ, GJ, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson from the Eagles. As part of that new retooled secondary, and then especially the coming out party of Brian Branch. Connor, I know we're big fans of Brian Branch. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, he's forcing Gardner Johnson over to safety. He's been so good. Uh, from what I've read, he's looked like one of the best players in practice the whole offseason. So I'm stoked to see him. This whole secondary is completely different than it was last year. And I think that could spell trouble necessarily for the Chiefs, just in the fact that they haven't seen this before. Um, and I love Hutch. I think, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes is obviously an elite quarterback, probably the best in the league. Um, that's not news to anyone. But I think we got some good edge rushers, some good depth, and hopefully we can slow the bleeding enough to, to let golf work. And, uh, I, I get these are a lot of new guys for the yeah. Lions. I, I, last year's defense for the Lions was an absolute dumpster fire. Are the youth pieces going to be ready? Are the new pieces going to be integrated enough to see them go from what was a bottom five defense, maybe trying to jump into the middle of the pack? So the, the, their bottom, they, they actually, so the, the first half of the season last year when they started one and six, uh, people wondering about this new regime under Dan Campbell and such, uh, uh-huh. Worst defense historically ever, but the second half of the season, they're middle of the pack, and that's all they need to be is middle of the pack. This defense, because this offense that we have is elite. It's a top five offense, if, uh, especially the way they were playing at the end of last season. I actually have a question for you guys in terms of matchup, though. Donovan Smith, the Chiefs had to go cheap somewhere. They went cheap at left tackle. This guy had a horrible, horrible season uh, last year. Uh, one of the worst in pass rush win rate. One of the I think it was 78%, which is way below average, 68% run block win rate, which is ext- which is near the bottom of the league. Also led the league in penalty yardage. I think this is where the Lions can really exploit a weakness uh, on the Chiefs, where I thought Orlando Brown was a strength. And then he goes to your rival, the Bengals. Well, I was well, thoughts there. Orlando Brown Jr. got to play next to one of the best guards in the league and Joe Fair. Tooney. And I think that is going to boon- be a boon to anybody that plays next to him. Donovan Smith last year versus the previous year, where he was one of the best tackles in the league, it's kind of just a tale of you know Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde, right? Two completely different players. And I think some of that's on the player, but also everybody in Tampa Bay was a mess. That entire unit was dysfunctional. Even Tom Brady had kind of, by his standards, a pretty poor year. And I think you have to account for multiple injuries, uh, both to kind of start the season and end the season, But I agree with you. He's certainly the weakest link on this offensive line. But I'll say this. When Donovan Smith, with his ceiling, is the weakest link on your offensive line, I think probably 20 20 teams, 25 teams would uh, crawl over glass to have that situation on the offensive line. Also, run blocking. Patrick Mahomes ensures light boxes. Even when the Chiefs go to 12 and 13 personnel, Mm Teams stay in nickel. They're scared to death of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Now, maybe with Travis Kelsey out, that changes a little bit. But we don't know that he's out for sure. I'm guessing. Sterling, 
What are your thoughts on Donovan Smith here? Yeah, let me give you a couple numbers here, all right? Starting from 2018, and we'll go up to last year. 2018, 66.4. 2019, 70.4. 2020, 71.8. 2021, 83.3. 2022, 58.1. What number seems like an outlier? It was last year. His PFF grades? These are his PFF grades overall. What seems like the outlier? Him going from 83.1 down to 58? Yes, that does seem like the outlier. That's a, a, a combination of him being injured and the Buccaneers offensive line being an absolute train wreck. What I will say in defense of the Lions, in defense of the um, other side of the Donovan Smith story, he's always been a heavy, heavily penalized player. That should probably continue, even with Tom Brady getting the ball out quick. Donovan Smith, Mahomes will be extending plays. Penalties are probably still going to be there, but he will not be as bad as he was last year. I think Donovan Smith was a very savvy signing, a very under-the-radar signing by Brett Veach. So, Ben Johnson, one of the hottest offensive coordinators in the game. I'm a huge fan. Mm. But outside of the Sun God, okay. outside of Amon Ross and Brown, I would say the skill players are either – unproven like the two rookies and Jamison Williams who won't be able to suit up or unimpressive. Does this offense have the requisite firepower to take the next step and be up there with the chiefs, the bills, the Bengals, the Eagles as a premier offense in the NFL? I think so. Connor, yeah, you could take this one first. I mean, they were a top five unit last year and besides losing shark, I, I think they've only gotten better. I mean, their run game, I think is significantly better than last year. All respect, um, but I think Gibbs and Montgomery offer things that Swift, um, you know, who couldn't stay healthy, wasn't offering. I think Gibbs is going to be working in the slot um, pretty often this year, and I think that's going to be exciting. Again, a good matchup against the Chiefs. And I think Sam Laporta's kind of being slept on, too. I think he's been Goff's, one of Goff's favorite targets in practice. I know rookie tight ends are very sketchy, um, especially like in terms of fantasy value but i i think he could be a slept on factor um and khalif raymond i've heard has uh, been taking leaps and might take on more of a wide receiver two role while while jamo's out i know marvin uh is like a thousand years old but he's serviceable as well i i think i think the lions can uh can hold on this year yeah i i just have a little bit of skepticism though and i'm a huge fan of jameer gibbs he has a jamal charles light feel to him and mm-hmm. Sam Laporta, we raved about him on the show leading up to the draft. But if I had a dollar for every time I heard a rookie tight end was going to break out or that some running back was going to be played in the slot a lot, I would be much, much in, in much better shape financially. So uh, are we really going to see those two guys do what the hype is building them up to do? I think we are. I think Sam Laporta will take a little more time. The, the history of tight ends, especially with the Lions, uh, <laughs> Uh, is rough, uh, especially their rookie year. But I think Jameer Gibbs is definitely a difference maker because rookie running backs in this league are more ready than ever because they're going to have to get that first paycheck and then uh, they're not going to get another one, <laughs> most likely. They're even lucky enough to get the first uh, one. But I, the comparison I want to make for this offense, what I see for this year, especially with Gibbs entering this, first of all, the Lions upgrade at running back. J- Jamal Williams had 17 touchdowns as a running back last year and they actually got better with Montgomery and Gibbs instead of Swift and Williams, who were just placeholders until the Lions found the right pieces. And Jameer Gibbs is going to fill – I like 
my vision for this Lions offense is the 2017 New Orleans Saints offense. That is the rookie year of Alvin Kamara. That's Michael Thomas at his peak before his injury. That's Sean Payton. And don't forget, Dan Campbell comes from the Sean Payton coaching tree. He referenced Sean Payton constantly in any interview, pretty much, especially when he thinks like uh, where he learned most of football from. Sean Payton's always the first name mentioned. And you'll see, and you see that in the lot in the offense of the Lions run. Eight, seven, eight guys catching the ball every game. But the the thing that really turned up that offense in 2017 for the Saints was Alvin, the addition of Alvin Kamara. 81 catches, over 700 yards, 1,000 yards rushing. Um, that's why I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be featured in this offense, very similar to Alvin Kamara, and why it's such an upgrade. So, San Laporta, it's going to be a little hit or miss, but uh, that 2017 Saints offense was scoring 28.9 points per game, and that was the Minnesota miracle year. <laughs> like, they arguably were the best team to make a run at the Super Bowl. Uh, Nick Foles and the Eagles end up just walloping the uh, Minnesota next game. But anyways, that's the ceiling I see for this offense. And Dan Campbell, well, you, you mentioned Ben Johnson, but this is really Dan Campbell's offense. And that philosophy, that offense philosophy comes from him. And Ben Johnson is just in alignment with Dan Campbell in that regard. Uh, they, they're very cohesive uh, in terms of working together to create that vision on the field. But this is ultimately Dan Campbell's offense. He, he seems like a WWE wrestler type, but really, he's a smart, he's a smarter guy than people. Yeah, can biting kneecaps and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So in yeah. this scenario, Jared Goff is kind of going to be Drew Brees light. Mm-hmm. The later Drew Brees, who is more dink and dunk, never take sacks, get rid of the ball, be an extension of the coach. That is the season you foresee for Jerry Goff. Absolutely. And even more so, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is the Michael Thomas type. Like Michael Thomas is not the somebody that's going to burn you downfield. He does have a little more size than Amon Ross St. Brown, but he's a possession receiver filled by, by a bunch of other people around him that are more role guys like Josh Reynolds in this offense for the Lions. Uh, Connor mentioned Khalif Raymond kind of as a speed guy down the field to maybe get double coverage on a, and open up Amon Ra on third down. Because uh, Amon <clears throat> Ross St. Brown also led the league last year in third uh, third down catches that resulted in a first down. So I, I that's why yeah. I think there's so many similarities to that 2017 Saints offense. So you've mentioned Montgomery and Gibbs a lot already. Chris Jones is still holding out and most likely is going to miss tomorrow night's game. The Chiefs' interior defensive line is not great to begin with, uh, especially with Sands, Chris Jones, and now no Charles Aminahu missing the first six weeks of the season. How heavily involved do you expect Gibbs and Montgomery to be? And do you expect a heavy rushing attack just on the ground between those two guys trying to, again, keep Mahomes off the field? Totally. I mean, I, I, the Lions have always favored a strong run game under Dan Campbell, and I think there's no reason to think that won't continue this week. Um, I think Montgomery will get the bulk of, of carries on the ground. Not the bulk, but the majority. Um I see no reason we're not to ram the ball down their throats, uh, to put it lightly. Um, I, I think this is a good matchup for the Lions, Big Z. Uh, I'm curious if you agree, but I, I think that's definitely going to be a major part of the game plan. Oh, I, I mean, you you know I definitely agree with you, Connor, in that regard. Uh, I think we can average over four and a half yards of carry in this game just based on the matchup. This is the Lions off of the line is a top five unit, in our opinion. You got Decker at totally. left tackle. You have Jonah Jackson, pro bowler at left guard. Frank Ragnow, all pro at center. And then you actually have Big V back at right guard. This is the original offensive line from two years ago that this team and signed. They're and they're, this is the first time they're all starting yeah. in the three years that they've been <laughs> together. 
because um, somebody's always been injured for a long time. Uh, and then, of course, you have the absolute beast at right tackle, Panay Sewell. Um, oh, yeah. And, oh, man, I, I'm just glad that the Lions get the opportunity to show off this offensive line on the national stage to start out this season. Um, but, yes, I especially with Chris Jones out, I think it's a ama- this is where the Lions can really do a lot of damage. It's on the ground, establish that run game, and then set up that play action, uh, which is the you know the hallmark of the the Sean Payton-esque offense under Ben Johnson. It's like you guys were reading our minds because our next question is how high do you think this offensive line, which is drawing rave reviews across the, the league, how high can it ascend? And I'll kind of up the ante here. We were going to ask you if it's top 10, top five, mm-hmm. top three. Can it become the best offensive line in the league with maybe Oof. the Chiefs not having as much continuity as they've had in years past? Uh, let's say the Eagles offensive line is aging yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, also very good. What is the ceiling for this lions offensive line? Yeah. Philly and Philly definitely jumps out to me as one. I don't know. Right. Top one is hard to declare, um, but we do drink the blue Kool-Aid on our podcast. That's uh, in our name. <laughs> uh, I, I think this could definitely be a top three unit. Um, I think it's really hard to predict top unit in the league, but this is the first time they've all been healthy. Like, like Big Z said, and I know there's not a lot of depth behind it, but who does have good depth, you know, in the NFL on your O-line? Uh, not many teams. I I think they're going to be a top three unit this year is my prediction. Yeah, and the, and the Lions also signed Graham Glasgow, so that that's a critical piece uh, back in Detroit after spending some time in Denver and such. Um, getting him back as a backup in case a guy mm-hmm. like Big V goes down is huge because Lions have had that in the past. Um but yeah, absolutely. I mean, top three, definitely. Uh, I, I would I would probably put him a little ahead of the Chiefs just because, as I mentioned, I'm not a big fan of Donovan Smith at left tackle until they can prove it again. Uh, so I, I would probably put the Eagles one, Lions two, Chiefs three uh, in that regard. And then the Browns, if you acknowledged that and kind of diagnosed Donovan Smith as our weak link, mm. who is the weakest link on that Lions line, in your opinion? Uh, uh, well, it's probably Big V, right, Connor? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely Big V. I mean, he—they've he, been. There were some questions about him starting in the off season. Um, I mean, he's—he's he's got it wrapped down now. But I would definitely say Big V is the week. He's definitely better in the run game than he is in the pass game. Yeah, uh, it's just he has—he hasn't been fully healthy to get a full idea uh-huh. of him in some ways. <laughs> so. For our our audience that might not be familiar with him, can you kind of give them a a ten or fifteen second uh, rundown on his background? Big V, uh, formerly from the Eagles offensive line, uh, but the Lions signed him under the Bob Quinn era to play right tackle. Uh, signing of Sewell moved him down to right guard, but he's had a lot of back issues, and that's been the main issue. And and he's graded like middle of the road pass wise, uh, but he's been a top ten right right guard in the run game. It's just uh, he's had a lot of back issues last year and a half. I'd yeah. say that have really limited his time on the field. As far as X factors, we know about Amon Ross St. Brown. I think we know about Jameer Gibbs. Can you give us some Lions X factors that maybe some Chiefs fans might not be quite aware of? I'll start. I mean, I'll start. I I think I mentioned him briefly earlier, but Brian Branch, the second round rookie for Lions, he's had an incredible training camp. Uh, This guy, we're we're still amazed uh, how he fell in the second round uh, it was shocking actually uh, and it's even more shocking when you see him play i mean the guy just has 
the right football instincts. Uh, you remember Tyron Matthew, uh, maybe not a guy that maybe graded out necessarily at the top of any level. Uh, maybe that's what happened with Brian Branch here, uh, just in terms of that, those football instincts, the thing you can't teach, just being able to diagnose a play, read it, put your foot in the ground, and go. Uh, that's why I think Brian Branch might be the, like, is absolutely an X factor here, especially this nickel pa- you mentioned, Adam, the nickel package that teams play against the Chiefs. Brian Branch is a perfect fit in that type of defense. The Lions want to play against the Chiefs here. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I was shocked that he, he slipped into the, the second round. And honestly, I, I kind of think if you look at the Lions draft, a lot of people complained, oh, they, they picked a, a running back in the first round and a linebacker in the second round. Well, Brian Branch should have gone the first round. Sam Laporta, I think quite a few people had a first round grade. So if you just look at the talent they brought in and ignore where they drafted the players, I thought it was Mm -hmm. quite the haul. And I'm a big Brian Branch fan. Who else you guys got? Uh, I'd like to shout out uh, Jack Campbell. um, Lions drafted from Iowa. Uh, Off the ball linebacker. A lot of people have some questions about the, the Lions linebacking situation you know, Thor Anzalone, I think on our own podcast, we've been a little up and down on him, uh, but the Lions management loves the guy. Um, but it, uh, it seems like Campbell has been a really good leader in the locker room and uh, he's been all over the place. Um, and he's really shot up the depth chart. He could be, uh, you know, our number one guy going forward. I know it's only week one and he probably won't be starting per se, but he could be a guy who could make a couple big plays in this game. And you're like, Oh, all right. I don't have anything to base that off of besides my gut instinct, to be honest a lot, with you. A lot of faith in rookies <laughs> right there. A lot of faith in rookies. Uh, I, I see in the chat right here says, ask them why the Lions got mm. rid of Jeff Akuda. Why did the Lions get rid of Jeff Akuda? He was a, what, top three? Third yeah. overall draft pick, a cornerback from Ohio Couldn't State. Couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Couldn't stay healthy. Told- Couldn't stay healthy. He's already hurt again. I mean, uh, yeah, snake, t- t- Torn ACL, um, and even when he was in in there, uh, just couldn't quite stay yeah. on the field in terms of his performance. Uh, so it was best for both sides just to you know go their opposite ways. The Lions are looking up. They obviously with the signing Cam Sutton, they had undrafted free agent Rick Jerry Jacobs, who's going to play in this game, and then Emmanuel, Emmanuel Mosley. Mosley um, so just the influx of talent coming in, uh, Akuda's injury history plus his performance on the field, and maybe the philosophy of this defense. Uh, it was just best for both to go their separate ways. Now he was he wasn't picked by Holmes, was he? He was a previous regime pick. He correct? was he was in the Patricia era. Um, okay, which <laughs> if you're coming up in the Patricia era, it's a disaster for your development. So yeah, <laughs> so I feel bad for him in that respect. Old pencilier himself, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he's with the Eagles, I heard. He landed, continues to land on his feet somehow. Amazing. He's reunited with Sirius Slay um, in Philadelphia, yeah. Wow. So we're going to get you guys out of here, but before we do that, we need your prediction for Thursday Night Football. Give us a final score and your star of the game, each of you, if you would. All right. Well, you're not going to like my prediction. Um, I think it's going to be another shootout. You know, we've seen Goff – uh, have this shootout in the past when he was with the Rams. That was one of the best games in NFL history, I think. Uh, Chiefs-Rams a few years ago. I think it's going to be 33-30 Lions with a last-second field goal to win it. Because um, I'm drinking a blue Kool-Aid. I can't predict a loss. <laughs> and my X-Factor, I guess, uh, my player of the game 
Uh, it's going to be easy, but I'm going to say I'm on wrestling ground. I think he's more dialed in than ever. Every year he gets more dialed in, it seems, and I think he's going to pop off for at least 130 yards, maybe a couple touchdowns. Beautiful. And then, uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm very similar in terms of score with Connor. I, I'm going to go 31-27 Lions, of course, in this game. Uh, I do really love our offense against your defense. Uh it's going to be a shootout. Like, like we we all know how Patrick Mahomes performs week one, uh, especially in these big games uh, to start. It's going to be tough, so they'll get some. Uh, but ultimately, I think there's just enough within our secondary and enough within our pass rush uh, to get the job done uh, when 31-27. And, of course, I got to go with Monroe St. Brown. I think he's going to have 10 catches for over 100 yards in this game, uh, which is almost routine for him at this point, really. Uh, but I, I think the way our offensive line – goes against uh, this defense line. It's going to allow the Lions enough time to operate their offense exactly how they want to. Uh, and that's why I really like it. Uh, the other one may be Montgomery, too. Uh, I think he at least gets one yeah. touchdown. David Montgomery. Yeah, I imagine he's going to get a lot of burn tomorrow night. Connor, Zach, thanks for being on the show. The podcast, again, is Drinking the Blue Kool-Aid. They are associated with Side Line Report from the Fan Sided Network. Good luck tomorrow, gentlemen, and thank you for stepping behind enemy lines. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Okay. Jared Goff is not outscoring Mahomes because that Rams team is not this Lions team. It ain't even close. I, I love the, the the confidence they have because that's what you got to have. You got to have confidence. You're coming on to an enemy podcast, as you mentioned, but – I like the Lions. I'm high on the Lions. I like their offense, but they don't have 15. They don't have 15. I understand no Chris Jones. It doesn't matter. Spagnuolo is going to draw up an incredible game plan. Put Goff under pressure. It's going to be over, man. You're going to see Shamari Connor coming off of blitzes. You're going to see Drew Tranquil, a dude who had five and a half sacks last year for, for the Chargers, who also, by the way, graded out top 15 PFF coverage linebacker. I don't see Jared Goff handling the pressure that Steve Spagnuolo draws up very well. And again, you got to score more than 30 if you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes back against the wall. This is a over-my-dead-body game. It's week one, and it's an over-my-dead-body game. He has something to prove. No Tyreek Hill, then you got to prove and go win a championship. No Chris Jones, now go, what's he going to do? I'm going to score 40 points. I'm going to put it on the Lions. They're going to make him feel it. Mahomes, 15, is going to do this. They're drinking that blue, uh, that blue Kool-Aid, but it ain't going to matter. It's banner night, Chiefs, baby. For sure, the only similarity between that Rams team and this Lions team is that uh, the Sun God does a pretty good Cooper Cup impersonation. Outside of that, that was a Super Bowl-level team. I'm not that big of a believer in the Lions. I think they have a promising future, and they're on the upswing. But I actually think the Green Bay Packers are going to win that division. Uh, and I think the, the Vikings are going to be in the mix as well. They were a very fraudulent 13-win uh, team last year, but they're still a 9- or 10-win team. Uh, this season, I think... Um, I agree with you, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he might not have his security blanket in number 15, but what is Patrick Mahomes real security blanket? It is anytime you back him into a corner, anytime you doubt him, he, he's a gunslinger. That is what he, that is what he loves. That's what he lives for. I don't know, man, the bright lights of Thursday night football, the first game of the season, they're going to hang the banner. 
I just don't see Andy Reid with a summer to prepare for this team and Patrick Mahomes losing this game. Just no way, no how. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I think it's a high-scoring game. I'm, I, I'm in agreement with them there. I think it's a very high-scoring game. I'm not going to disagree, but it's going to come down to who's going to make a mistake. Do you think Jared Goff is going to make the mistake, or is it going to be 15 Patrick Mahomes? Jared Goff is making that mistake. Um, again, I like the Lions. I think they're a little bit on the same line as the Charger, or as the uh, Jaguars were last year. But hmm. man, uh, I'm ripping Mahomes is over betting wise uh, and yards rushing. I think Mahomes is going to crush him on the ground. It's something I noticed those guys talking about, and I'm I'm with them. I think it's a it's a good astute observation. A lot of their X factors, a lot of the guys that they're counting on, rookies. I get it. They had a pretty good draft in regards to pieces they needed, especially defensively. You know, Jack Campbell, uh, Branch, I get all that. That's a lot of pressure to put on some rookies who are going up against the best offense in the NFL and Andy Reid. You think Andy isn't going to take advantage of their youth? I sure do. They might be great later on in the year, but week one, come on now. It's a big moment in the loudest stadium in sports. Ah, My prediction is 38-31. I do think Chris Jones and Charles Aminihu being out for a guy that uh, doesn't like pressure, Jared Goff, and gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. And if you let him get in sync and don't disrupt him, he you know he can sling it. He's a good quarterback. Just He has zero ability to create outside of structure. And if you rattle him, it's over. So I think he's going to have his moments. But ultimately, Steve Spagnuolo who keeps it pretty vanilla this time of year, I think is going to dip into his bag a little bit more than usual out of necessity. Don't you kind of see that being the case? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, again, there's going to be so many design blitzes. It's going to be, in my opinion, very fun to watch just what happens. This is where Steve Spagnuolo makes his his, his money right here, right? Uh, whatever people's thoughts are on Spags, I've been a staunch supporter of Steve Spagnuolo, man. I, I think he's done a great job with what has been given to him. Again, the money is spent predominantly on the offensive side of the ball. So, of course, the offense is going to be better than the defense. But no Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed. I know he doesn't even have an injury designation. The only injury designation was Travis Kelsey, who was questionable for this game. But how many snaps does Legereus need play? That remains to be seen. But Shamari Connor, they'll send him on some design blitzes. I mentioned Drew Tranquil. Maybe we'll see some Leah Chennault. I'm just a fan of what Steve Spagnuolo is going to do against this Lions uh, offense. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, I'm not going to disparage the guy because I'm very high on on Amon Ross St. Brown. But you got to have more than that. You got to have more than that. I get it. I've been the guy saying they've been a top five offense last year. But last year isn't this year. Last year and what Jared Goff did isn't this year. He's got to do it again. We've seen Jared Goff on a roller coaster ride. He was great one year with the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. He was great when Sean McVay was pulling the strings, and he was really good last year. No denying it, but can he do it back-to-back seasons? He hasn't done that in his career. Why would he do it now? Yeah, and you know this is this show is a no-spag slander zone. We love Steve Spagnuolo. I think he's going to bring it. I'm with you. You look at this receiving core, and I know people kind of criticize the Chiefs the same way, but at least these Chiefs receivers have upside. You know, Sky Moore, Justin Ross, Kadarius Toney, Rasheed Rice, there's no denying that they had a nice pedigree coming into the league and they, that, that they have a high ceiling. Uh, Marvin Jones is old in the tooth. 
Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond aren't scaring anybody. I mean, they're, they're Jags. They're just guys, right? So I think to expect Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs in his first game, Sam Laporta in his first game, to shoot it out with the Chiefs, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I, I sure do not. I, I want to get into our next segment, the five bold Chiefs predictions for 2023. This was a fun little segment that you brought up here. Good idea. I'll let you go first. I'll, I'll be uh, generous. My largesse knows no bounds. So I'll let you go first here. I appreciate it. And this is going to dovetail into a bet that you and I have that I think suddenly looks a little bit better. And my first prediction is that Sky Moore has an 80 reception, 1,000-yard season, And there are a few reasons for this. The first is Kelsey's hobbled, right? Regardless if he plays or not, I kind of think he'll sit a game and they'll kind of uh, maybe maybe do a little NBA load management for that first month. So we're going to need him to grow up as a security blanket overnight. You know, it's time to take Andy Reid. It's time to take the training wheels off finally of Sky Moore. And if you look back to last season, Juju Smith-Schuster and his exploding knee Uh, I hope it doesn't explode this season, but I think the Chiefs were wise to move on. He was on pace for 1,200 yards in the same slot role through uh, midway through the season. And then the concussion happened, his health deteriorated, and he never got there. But I think that upside just in this role, if Sky assumes it, is there. And I also think while he may not be catching some of the back shoulder fades that Juju caught, he can do some of the gadget stuff that you've seen guys like, like McColl so I think that evens out. And then the last thing we've talked about this before, but Sky is a rare early declare from a small school that went in the second round. The last one was Devonte Adams. I'm not saying he's Devonte Adams because nobody is, but even the great Devonte Adams took a little while to get going. So I feel good about this first prediction. I, I like Sky more a lot. I don't see a thousand yards. I think Richie James takes over a lot of those McCall Harbin roles, not Sky. I've said time and time again, I think Sky Moore is going to be in the ilk of Juju Smith-Schuster. I get where you're going with that, but I think the ball is going to be spread around way more than it was last year. I don't think Sky Moore is going to have that uh, wide receiver one tag on him that Juju did last year. I get what you're saying with injuries and all that stuff, but I just think Mahomes spreads the ball, spreads the ball out way more this season than even more we have seen in the past. Uh, I love Sky Moore. I just don't see a K this year for him. I see from an angry, drunken German right here. Is James both punt and kick returning this week? Uh, from all accounts, yes. Uh, that's what I have heard. That's what I've seen. So it looks like James will be the punt and kick returner. Uh, my first bold take. I'm going from mild and then it gets a little spicier as we move on. All right. So okay. if you will, it's a little more on the mild side. I said George Karloftis leads the Chiefs in sacks. Okay, here's my reasoning. I don't think Chris Jones is playing a full season. I don't know how many games he sits out, but I don't think he's playing a full season. Charles Aminahu, I think you and I actually have another bet on this one, who has more sacks. Sorry, pal. Maybe you should pick a guy who's going to sit out six games. Well, when I picked him, I thought no. it was going to be more like three. I thought, it was, I, no, I'm not backing off it. It's still a bet, but I, I just want to tell the audience when I made when I made that bet, I was expecting him to have an Alvin Kamara three or four games, not six. Yeah, well, I, I had that caveat. I said, hey, you know, he suspended it right, and you said yes. That that air handshake through the airwaves happened. Uh, I can't wait for this bet to hit for me. But I, I like George Karlovs, man. I think George Karlovs leads this Chiefs team in sacks. Yeah, and I think what we're both saying with Kelsey Ailing and Chris Jones holding out is 
very much next man up. These kids that were brought in last year's rookies are going to have to kind of become uh, bigger, bigger players in this system, both Carl Loftus and Sky Moore. Uh, I kind of have a hot take based on this. I think FAU is going to quickly eclipse George Karloftis because I think Karloftis is kind of what he is. He is uh, a high motor power intangibles type rusher. And I just think Felix, his natural gifts, his bend, his tool set are a little bit better than what George Karloftis, the Greek freak can offer. Uh, But I like him. And I don't think this is a bad bet given that he has more experience than FAU. You don't think a 22-year-old who comes from Greece who grew up playing water polo and who's recently transitioned to football doesn't have any more upside? I think he does uh, as far as a technician. I think his upside athletically is is somewhat capped. But I think we will see how much of a ceiling he truly has because he's going to get all the opportunity in the world this year. I kind of thought Carlos Dunlap or someone else would get a call. Right now, it looks like he's going to get a ton of snaps. Yeah. So this is a good transition because I'm going to talk about another edge, the one that you and I made the bet about with, with him and Karloftis. Uh, Charles Aminahue will be a force of nature the second half of the season, and I think he will finish with a top 12 pass rush win rate at edge league-wide. Now, he wasn't quite there last year, but he was close, albeit in – kind of part-time snaps, heavy snaps, but part-time snaps. But if you look at when he moves inside, he was number one in pass rush win rate when that happened. He might even get a couple games without Chris Jones. I mean, God, I hope not. But if that happens, you could see him play inside almost exclusively. And if you watch the preseason, he looked pretty good outside, especially in that last game. When they moved him inside, dude was just wrecking guards. It was it was almost unfair. I felt bad for those guards that had to deal with his combination of length and power. Those thirty six and a half arm, inch arms or whatever, they just they don't have a chance unless you're, you know, Zach Martin or something. I think he's just really going to be uh, a big addition. It just sucks that we don't have him for six games. And I just think he and Chris Jones could be so dynamic together. And I hope we get to see that for at least half a season, don't you? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Charles on the inside with Chris Jones is going to be an absolute problem for the interior offensive lines of other teams. Uh, My second one, Donovan Smith outperforms Orlando Brown Jr. this year. But I will say with a caveat, I will agree we'll see more penalties from Donovan Smith. Orlando Brown Jr. didn't have a ton of penalties last year throughout their career. You've, if there's been a trend of high penalties for Donovan Smith throughout the, throughout the career. Orlando Brown Jr. has been actually pretty good in regards to that. But I think if you look at PFF, whatever you want to use, analytics, pass, we'll do, you know, pass, rush, win rate for a, for a left tackle. I think you're going to see Donovan Smith being above Orlando Brown Jr. I'm just a fan of what he does. I The more and more I've dove into what he brings to the Kansas City Chiefs, he's a better fit for the Chiefs. He's a better fit for Mahomes. He's light of foot, at least compared to uh, Orlando Brown Jr. He fits his offense better, and I just truthfully believe that last year was the aberration. Last year was the outlier. He bounces back to what he was once was the year before. Give me that with Orlando Brown Jr. taking a little bit of a decline 
No more Joe Tooney. That's going to be a big, big loss for him. Yeah, I'm kind of with you here. And I think his pressure allowed percentage is probably going to be better than Orlando Brown. Uh, on one That's hand, that I'm looking for. Very, very <laughs> uh, on, on one hand, I really think he's going to go, do a good job uh, when the Chiefs, when Patrick Mahomes extends plays and gets out of structure. The worry there is does he get grabby? Does he get handsy? Uh, because that's when Orlando Brown got beat. You know, he could get in the way for a certain amount of time, but eventually his, what I call center block feet, uh, kind of doomed him the longer plays went, went on. But I think that's a good one. I'm going to stick with the offensive line for my third one. Jawan Taylor will perform at an elite level and be recognized as a top three right tackle moving forward. So, I think he has a brilliant first step. It's kind of like Lane Johnson's to the point where you look at him and you're like, is, was, was he, was that a false start? And I, I, it usually is not. I think he pushes the limits there. Very, very quick and athletic, great feet. He's a dancing bear. Uh, last year, he was actually fourth in pressure allowed, uh, pressure allowed rate, 2.5%. And among all tackles, both left and right, that was four. That was top four. Uh, the issue here is run blocking. But Andy Reid is, I mean, Andy Reid too, but Andy Heck will coach him up. And also, we've talked about this earlier in the show, the Chiefs face light boxes. Teams are scared to death, even in those jumbo sets, 12 and 13 personnel where you have multiple tight ends. Those teams, if you look at the splits of the Chiefs in those formations versus the rest of the league, Usually, other teams see stacked boxes. The Chiefs do not get stacked boxes. They just will not do it against Mahomes. They're not gonna. They're gonna say, "Hey, Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you guys are gonna beat us, not Travis Kelsey and uh, Patrick Mahomes." So I'm expecting a big year. I think he. We just kind of have to give him a little bit of grace on that Urban Meyer year and the previous regimes in Jacksonville, because as soon as a real coach showed up in Doug Peterson, he flourished. And I think that that uh, maturation is going to continue here in Kansas City. Uh, my third one, Harrison Bucker bounces back as the second best kicker in the NFL behind Justin Tucker. He was the second best kicker in the NFL. And then he got hurt last year against the Arizona Cardinals on that turf, and he was never the same. Um, I'm all in on Butker being back. All in. I, I could not be more excited that he is healthy. He stuck around. The Chiefs didn't give up on him because he's back. Bucker looked really good in the preseason. The main issue for him, and I and just talking to different kickers, I talked to Nick Lowry, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker, right? He, he knows a ton about kicking. He's had ankle injury. He's had, you know, foot injuries. Takes a long time for those to heal. You don't really have a lot of time to get off your feet when you're kicking. Just trying to work through, it's not going to heal it completely. So he had an entire offseason. Bucker's back. He's going to be the second best kicker in the NFL this year. Yeah, and I think... You're a golfer. I'm not. But I just imagine with something where you need to be consistent and have repetition and just do the exact same motion over and over again. Anytime you have an injury like an ankle injury, it's going to cause natural compensation patterns. And you're just not going to be able to emulate 
that exact precise movement that you need to do to be at your best over and over again. I think this pick is a no brainer. I wish I thought of it myself, but I didn't because I don't think about kickers a lot. Um, I have an interesting take on kickers, but we and punters, but we will get to that some other day. I kind of wish they weren't, they weren't part of the game. Um, yeah, just, just two point conversions every time, you know, just give teams the ball in the 20. Let's go. Uh, my number four is that the chiefs corners will all be up and down with the exception of Trent McDuffie, who I think becomes an upper echelon corner, a lockdown type corner. Let's say maybe not all pro, but pro bowl pushing into all pro consideration, uh, becoming one of the most respected corners in the league. And I just loved what I saw from him last year, especially when you consider that he missed time with an injury. And then he came back and looked great. Uh, I, I thought he looked great. He graded out well. And then I am a little worried about Legere Sneed's knee. It just doesn't sound like a thing that's that's not going to linger throughout the season. I mean, it's been bugging him the entire summer. And then with Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, both very good players, I just think the nature of this position, there's a lot of up and ups and downs. I've called it a roller coaster before. Uh, I think all players are kind of like this. It's not like Madden where you just expect progression every single year. There's ups and downs, especially at corner. They could have sophomore slumps or mini sophomore slumps. I think Trent McDuffie leapfrogs the Jerry Sneed as the team's best corner. And that's going to allow the chiefs, if they need to walk away from the Jerry Sneed or they want to, to spend the money elsewhere, that's going to give them some flexibility as we head into next offseason, Sterling, what do you think about Trent McDuffie becoming CB1? Yeah, I believe it, man. I, I think he's a really, really good corner. I think uh, the issue which we saw rise in the Super Bowl and we saw it a little bit in the preseason, those short arms, uh, they only come about because they only come about if you are if you're beat. Right. You don't see it often with Trent McDuffie because very rarely is he getting beat. He doesn't have the recovery that some of these longer-armed, bigger-bodied corners possess. But I don't think he's going to get beat very often this season. Trent McDuffie, I'm with you. I think he takes a huge step forward. Uh, I do liken cornerbacks to relievers in baseball all the time, where one year they can be great, one year they can be a bum. Um, I think the, the elite guys really separate themselves with multiple years, you know, year after year after year of success. But even those elite guys will have a down year. That happens in baseball and it happened with cornerbacks. But I think Trent McDuffie is starting to, at least in my opinion, uh, he's going to separate himself this year from just a one-hit wonder to a, okay, this guy is a building block at corner, so I'm with you to an extent with Trent McDuffie. Uh, my fourth one, Drew Tranquil plays the second most amount of snaps at linebacker this year, only behind uh, Nick Bolton, and he finishes with six-plus sacks in a top 15 PFF linebacker coverage grade. This is a guy who does it all. He had a great year last year, five and a half sacks, top 15 in pass coverage last year. I think he takes a little step forward this year. I think him and Nick Bolton are going to be one, two linebackers. Um, they're going to play so much. They're going to use him as a decoy all the time. You're going to see him on blitzes. You're going to see him drop back in coverage. I love Drew Tranquil. I am all in. I'm going to push you a little bit on this because we did say bold and he's already a top 15 PFF graded linebacker. Can we get you in the top 10? 
I'll go top 10. I thought yeah. second most amount of snaps, too, was pretty bold. Let, I think most people have Willie Gay Jr. Yeah, I get it, bold takes, but I'm in, the, I'm in the business of trying to get it right. I'm not trying to have a hot take for the take for the sake of having a hot take. I'm trying to get these things right. I get it, but uh, I'll go top 10 then. I think bold is somewhere in between hot take and trying to be ultra conservative, but, but accurate. So I think that's fine. Uh, let's see my last one. Isaiah Pacheco will not become the bell cow. Many want him to become. This is me, not me knocking him. I, I like Isaiah Pacheco. How could you not like this kid? Great personality, affable, uh, runs like he's angry at the ground, uh, gives it his, his all real kind of, uh, lunch pail kind of player, if you will. But when you dig into the metrics, among all backs with 150 or more carries, only two others forced fewer missed tackles. They were Leonard Fournette and A.J. Dillon, similar bigger backs. Uh, and, and again, he's a hard runner who is big and explosive. And I think that's what the Chiefs need some of the time to punish light fronts. But I think his thunder needs a partner in crime. He needs a lightning. I don't foresee him being someone who's dynamic in open space. Even his breakaway run rate wasn't that good. I know we saw the one breakaway run in the Jacksonville game, but we didn't see that a lot. He's really the kind of guy that's going to put his nose down and pick up six yards where most running backs would get four. And I think that's great. I think that's what we need. And he's, he's tougher than nails, tougher than shit. Uh, got that dog in him, as we like to say you know, played through a torn labrum and a broken hand in the Super Bowl. So uh, he's number one in my heart, but I think on the field, he's going to be 1A and there's going to be a 1B. And I expect that to kind of be a committee of CEH and Jarek McKinnon uh, during the start of the season. We talked about load management, that NBA term with Travis Kelsey. Well, they're going to do that with Jarek McKinnon too. He's He's into his 30s. He's, I think, outside of Cordero Patterson and Ladavius Murray. My God, how is Latavius Murray still doing it at like 33 or 34? But he's one of the oldest running backs in the league. You got to take things easy on him, so he's still standing in the winter. Uh, that's my prediction. Yeah, I actually would agree 100% with that, man. Uh, you will get no disagreement from me there. Uh, I think Pacheco's a great first and second down guy, but when it comes to passing down situations, I would much rather prefer uh, Jerry McKinnon, and to an extent, I think maybe even Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which I can't believe I'm actually saying. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has gone from when he was drafted by some people to say he's going to be like the, the next stud running back where I was like, yo, pump the brakes to now all of a sudden people just absolutely hate on him. And I'm like, he was a first round draft pick. It's not his fault. Like if he was drafted in the fourth round, I think people would have a much different conversation about Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think he's fine. That's it. I think he's fine. Uh, I think he's going to have a bigger role than people think this year. But my final one, Patrick, one, one more thing before we move on. This is not really a knock on Isaiah Pacheco, because no, no, how, no. how many teams have bell cows? I think what you look at, if you can't get a Bijan Robinson, if you can't get a a Christian McCaffrey or a Derrick Henry, you want a Frankenstein and all purpose back together in the aggregate. And if you if you think about it in a Chiefs offense, maybe Isaiah Pacheco plus Jarek McKinnon, when you put them together, can perform like an All Pro back 
even if the Chiefs don't have one. Sorry to interrupt, my man. No, you're good, my guy. Uh, my final one is going to start off mild. Mahomes leads the NFL in passing yards. Gasp, no surprise. But no Chiefs wide receiver goes over 850 yards. There you go. Wow. There you go. How's he going to do it? He's going to spread that ball around. Now, Travis Kelsey's a tight end, not a wide receiver. He actually did this last year, right, with Juju Smith-Schuster having the most yards at 933. But I'm going to go even a step down, 850. 850 is, is my cutoff line. I think Mahomes, truthfully, is going to spread the, spread the ball around so much. There's a reason why the Chiefs kept seven guys on the active roster on the 53. There's a reason they kept seven. They all bring something different to the table. In any given matchup, what, five, six guys are going to be active? How often are all seven going to be active on game day? I would be surprised if many. Probably against the Lions if Travis Kelsey is going to miss, right? That could Mm -hmm. be a case where you have seven wide receivers. But it's going to be a matchup. It's going to be a matchup nightmare for defenses. They're going to rotate through these guys, and whatever game they think they have an advantage, that guy's going to be the quote-unquote wide receiver one. So Mahomes leading the NFL in passing yards. No Chiefs wide receiver going over 850. You picked that number very wisely because I think you've seen MVS. He's flirted with that. You know, he's never topped 800. But last year, there are a few missed uh, misconnections with Mahomes where he could have gotten over 800 if they would have been on the same page. Uh, I think that's his max ceiling. And if Sky Moore doesn't get the playing time, that Juju got. If he plays a little less, then I could see him getting stuck around there too. Uh, any, nobody else, I think, is a realistic bet to do that unless injuries just ravage this room. I mean, maybe maybe if, uh, if disaster strikes, Rasheed Rice is forced into a role that is way bigger than we expected or, or Richie James or even Justin Ross. Um, I don't see it. I think uh, I'm not going to like it personally, but I expect Justin Ross – I mean, excuse me, Justin Watson, too many Justins. You got Justin Reed too. Justin Watson to earn more snaps than I would like and kind of limit how much these younger guys uh, get on the field. Uh, You know, that's just the way Andy rolls. He wants uh, good blockers out there. He wants you to know the playbook, like the back of your hand and feel natural and comfortable with these option routes that, that make the chiefs so hard to figure out if you're a defender, uh, it's hard to, to argue with Andy Reid at this point. Uh, not infallible. I do think he's a little stubborn about putting the training wheels on receivers. But a few people have made the point that if you can't beat out Justin Watson, maybe you're not as good as we want you to be. Mm. Good point. I always said it's a roller coaster. You've got to be this high to ride. You've got to be better than Justin Watson to get snaps. Although I will say Justin Watson's probably getting snaps because he's the backup at all three wide receiver spots. He's a special teamer. Whether you like Justin Watson or not, doesn't matter. The Chiefs clearly do. He'll be getting some play. Yeah, I don't dislike him as a Byron Pringle fifth receiver type who plays special teams and can show up in a pinch and, and act like a pro and not really hurt you. We're, what I don't like is when he's out snapping Sky Moore. I mean, that just drove me a little crazy last year. And and into the year, he was out snapping Kadarius Tony. And I'm just sitting here, what are we doing? Because those guys are clearly more talented than he is. But Andy Reid values experience. He values knowledge. He 
values knowing the playbook. So that's just the way it's going to be. But that does it for today's show. Big props to the chat. We appreciate you. Oh, boy. Putting the helmet on. You're getting strapping it up and getting ready for the season. I love it. Before you roll out, do us a favor by liking this video and subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. I know not all of you are subscribed because our view count is higher than our subscriber count usually. Uh, and if you're uh, an audio listener on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a five-star rating. That really helps us reach more fans. We will be back next Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. riding high uh, uh, off of victory over the Detroit Lions. I don't care what these Kool-Aid guys say. Uh, I appreciate them being on the show, but we all know Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, week one, Arrowhead. Nobody's going to beat us in that scenario. Until next week, go Chiefs.